Okay. So, what is that sticking out of um, Daily on Z Frame? <laughs> like, um, what, like, why does he have a green and yellow tube just coming uh, out of the windscreen? The the dirty part of me says suction cup dildo. Um, <laughs> you never know when you need to fuck an Eosapien. <laughs> yeah, the the pragmatic part of me says like it's a camera or something. All right, <laughs> maybe the, I get, the pragmatic like, part of me. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, like, because you never. It's not a gun. You never see anything shoot out of it. No. And he's got like his like little radar antenna thing is like on the top of the E frame, right? It's that like wobbly little disc yeah. thing, and he's got like a little actual antenna too that pops up so it's probably not comms related ooh ooh like one of those super directional microphones so you can just pick up sound from anywhere yeah that okay. that's that that's actually the only reasonable explanation i can come up with <laughs> my oh sorry okay. on. No, no, i was gonna go say ahead, my my take is that it's actually um a straw attachment so you can still drink boba <laughs> inside your suit but you don't have to have like the actual cup of boba like tea with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it has so many uses, right? Like you never know when you're gonna stop at Shake Shack in your e frame and you want to drink your shake. Like, right. Yeah. Right. I mean. Right. Maybe maybe you have to frame up. You're waiting for it to be deployed in a battle, but like you don't want to get out of your e frame to enjoy your boba. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like Marcel is actually the one like bringing the like cup holder of boba to everyone, and Alex is like sticking in the tube, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's like a little rig you can hang off of it and then like a really long straw that goes down into that. Because there's like, there is like a little like circle thing at the front there. Could be like yeah, an opening yeah. to, you know, like a little yeah. flap that you can stick your straw in. It's an attachment for one of those like really long curly straws, you know, like the funny. Right. Well, the you, funny so, ones. I mean. Go ahead. It's interesting because the toy doesn't have that. Does But it? the toy, his hands can reach outside of the E-frame. But in the cartoon, they can't. Interesting. Huh. I mean, I would see why for a toy you wouldn't want just like a random little piece of plastic sticking off the windshield because that's going to break really quickly. And then I'm thinking about like right. my brother and I playing with toys that's going to like break in someone's mouth or in someone's eye or something. Well, I mean, like if they were worried about that, they wouldn't have included the perfectly sized choking hazard set of missiles with every single toy. Yeah. All right. I forgot about that. I didn't have these toys. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 yeah. I mean, like the, the, the facade of toy safety from toys that came out of the eighties was paper thin at best. Right. <laughs> Just slap a choking hazard warning on it and say children under three shouldn't play with it. And good luck. Yeah. That, that's like, actually... How many, how many kids do you think died from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pizza shooter? <laughs> right. How many, how many cats and dogs were traumatized by it? Um. Actually, I wonder, like, it's how many children actually have died from like choking hazard stuff? God, this is gonna take a dark turn here. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm googling this now. I'm just, I'm just deeply well... curious. Well, welcome to the Macabre Minute on ExoFriends. All right. <laughs> right. Okay, people ask. It's one of the Google options. How many kids die from choking on toys every year? Oh, citing is a it... study. No shit. 
For the study, the researchers reviewed national data from 1968 through 2017. In 1968 alone, there were 719 deaths in children from choking on in children. That's a weird phrasing uh, from choking on an object. By 2017, that number was down to 184. My goodness. Well, so maybe putting all those warnings and actually thinking about how we design toys has been helpful. <laughs> Apparently so. Well, I mean, like, I don't, I, I've never actually thought that, like, you know, like, yeah, you look at the warning stickers sometimes and it's like, don't, don't lick the hot iron. Like, okay. <laughs> but, like, that saved someone's life. You or their tongue, at least. Like you know, it has. Yeah. <laughs> like they thought they sat there looking at the iron, like, should I lick this? And then they saw the label, and they're like, no, mm, maybe not. Absolutely not. <laughs> not not okay. <laughs> some some parent was like, should I hand this to my child who is incapable of reason and thought, and uh, hope they don't choke on it? No. No, no I shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, nope. also because children can also. You know, and this is not like, this is not like me being anti-children, but children can also like <laughs> choke on things or hurt themselves with stuff that is age appropriate. Like, I don't know, my little yeah. brother, when, by the time like Damon was like five or six years old, he'd probably already had like 15 stitches in and around his head, you know, just from like falling on a toy car or like, that's why I was thinking like that thing sticking out of um, Alex, you know, windscreen. It's like, oh yeah, like my brother would have fallen directly onto that and it would have gotten stuck in his nose or his eye, or his ear, or something ridiculous. So, like, yeah, I mean, I guess as a toy designer, you probably do have to think about, like, what dumb shit is a child going to do with this that I'm not anticipating as an adult? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I imagine it would probably just snap off really fast, like, even potentially in the packaging. So you couldn't probably secure yeah. it on there very well. Which, yeah, again, that's true. That's true. begs the question, the fuck is the point of that thing? Because <laughs> like, it doesn't hook into anything. It's just, like, plugged right onto the glass. I'm curious Listeners. too, like in in episodes where we see other types of, like similar e frames to what Alec has, like do they have the little tube? Bronski sometimes flies it. We'll have to look at that next next week. Yeah. To see to see if that the episodes where Bronski flies a similar e frame. Well, no, because the one time he did it, he was flying Alex. Right. I I know we've seen other people fly the the frog footed, yeah, uh, recon e frame. <laughs> There's a there's a brown one for sure that yeah, you see. That's a that's what I was thinking of. Right. So if any fans out there also like if you if you're like real up on the uh, the specs for these, um, and like have some semblance of what that thing is, please do let us know. I'm deeply curious. Is it detachable? I it looks like it's detachable. <laughs> right. That, I don't know why that's the important question to me, but maybe it's like his like it's like a little mini humidor, and he like keeps a cigar in there for like the end of a mission well done. That would be great. So there we go. Ooh, it's like my last idea for it. It is it is like one of those old timey like cigarette holders that hold that like the tube that holds the cigarette like way far away from your face. Yeah, I mean he is French after all. He they. That every French person smokes. That's what cartoons taught me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If, yeah, if, I, if I know anything about cultural stereotypes, they're always correct. <laughs> always. <laughs> they're never wrong, ever. <laughs> and they've never caused any problems. <laughs> not, not once.
Well, uh, uh, that, that aside, welcome back to the Exo uh, Friends on the Outer Millennial Network, as always brought to you by our wonderful patrons uh, on Patreon. If you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash emnetwork, and we'd really appreciate any support at all. Um, you can also use that to message us. I read it quite often. Um, today we're covering uh, Season 2, Episode 3, A Pirate's Ransom. Uh, written by Michael Edens, Mark Edens, Ted Peterson, and Francis Moss. F- four head writer credits. That that seems like an anomaly so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, and uh, so uh, on the last episode, we JT and Alec had gone to the pirates to broker an alliance to with them and the Exo Fleet to fight against the Neo Sapiens. After a after a rousing martial arts over a pit battle with the best mace and quarter staff we've ever seen, uh, JT won won Simbaka's favor, but refused to kill his opponent. So Simbaka said he would not ally with the Exo Fleet, and right as he said that, Typhona showed up with a a sizable portion of his fleet to also broker a alliance with the pirates or at least a non-aggression pact of some kind um and that's how we open up the episode we see this giant neo-sapien fleet hovering over the weed nugget that is tethys and uh typhonus is just pulling into their landing bay to meet with simbaka um yeah ty typhonus uh is angry when uh, Simbaka refuses his demands to turn over the exotroopers because he promised them safe passage. And uh, Typhonus, being being as he is, just springs a trap. His ship was full of E-frames and troops, and they just start blasting. Pew, 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 pew. Right, well, which begs the question, why didn't the pirates have better security? Yeah. <laughs> the pirates aren't very good at their job. Like, right, it's like you guys are pirates. Surely you like would have planned for the like likely eventuality of like there being a double cross of some kind. You're fucking pirates. Like that's your that's your right. bag. We saw we saw that they're already good with hiding like guns behind walls with illusions. Why aren't there <laughs> just like guns all over these walls? Right, <laughs> hidden behind illusions. Oh. It, 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 Sorry, did, did, did you have something, Lexi? I just want to say also, like, I really love that, um... So Simbaka, like, tells Typhonus, yeah, that he's guaranteed the safety of the Exo Fleet emissaries, i.e., like, JT and Alec. But he also, because Typhonus is like, you know, if you just hand them over, uh, we'll just leave you out here to do your own thing. Don't worry about it. You know, we won't come after you or anything. So I love, like, Simbaka's other reason for refusing is that he says, like, they don't need Neo-Sapien permission to be where they are. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just want to point that out because it was kind of badass, and I love Simbaka. <laughs> do you think if Typhonus hadn't been so patronizing, it would have gone better? I don't know. I think some like I don't know. This is kind of what I like about Simbaka is like there's a way you could read this that's like all you know toxic masculinity. Like he never gives up. He like never you know wants to submit or surrender or anything like that. But I don't know. I I really like that part of his character that he's just like fuck you. I don't need your permission or like fuck you. I'm not handing these people over. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if he necessarily would have been more compliant with Typhonus if he hadn't been so patronizing. But 
Yeah, I don't know. You came to my house <laughs> to, and started making demands? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I think he is, like, he's a guy with, like, a very, it's it's kind of an overused term, but, like, a very, like, sort of specific code of behavior that he, like, yeah. and, like, ways of doing things that he wants respected and, like, barging into his house and saying, yo, give me your guys and we'll, like, let you guys just be out here is, like, just flies in the face of, like, everything that he is as a person. You know, where it's like, as far as like Marsh, Marsh is like bold and daring and courageous and like kind of meets the right like degree of even etiquette for Simbaka also. Because it's like this idea of like, you know, don't don't you tell me what I'm going to do. And then also like this notion of like, I have to like, I guaranteed their safety, like that my word matters to me and all this stuff. It's very kind of like, I don't know exactly the world, gentlemanly almost, but like, again, like that's not probably not the right word, but yeah. Well, that, that, that that old like honorable idea the mm-hmm. honorable ideal right where like you keep your word no one tells you what to do you're your own person and you're gonna be self-determining of your fate right right which is where it's like is are pirates really the right word for these people i mean they do commit piracy this is true. Yeah. They're just downloading movies, music, books, <laughs> television shows. They've never played for Netflix once. That's why that's actually why the Exo Fleet launched an attack on the uh, on the pirates and the outer planets is because like big streaming was really upset about their losses of revenue. <laughs> oh, oh I can see that now. The back the backroom deal where like Phaeton's <laughs> right. sitting with whoever whoever the CEO or like you know the the now computerized consciousness of Jeff Bezos, <laughs> and being like, I know they've been taking away money from your Amazon Prime revenue, so let's uh, let's let's grease the right palms at the at the Terran World Congress, or the the Solar Systems Congress, to declare war against the pirates to stop this. <laughs> right, Exoflex has been moved, losing money year over year. Exoflex. <laughs> We, we should have never gotten rid of the mail-in model. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine trying to mail a DVD across the solar system? Like, <laughs> right. Dude, that's why the pirates that started take? pirating in the first place. They were like, man, it takes like at least like six months for a DVD to get here from Earth. Right? The pirates' true crime was actually just like cutting the flexible pneumatic tube that they had between Venus and Earth to deliver the uh, <laughs> to deliver the DVDs. There you go. Actually, it was the early '90s, so the laser discs. Yeah. Oh gosh. Anyway, pirates on a yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> pirates on a What is yes. happening in the show again? <laughs> I. The the other thing the other thing that I like about this scene is I don't think I've ever brought it up before, but Ty, like the the Neo Sapiens obviously have impeccable fashion, but mm-hmm. Typhonus is is the pinnacle of it, I believe. Yes. With his ridged like ridged pink suit, giant puffy collar, and like necktie thing that looks like a face hugger tail from Alien. <laughs> Um, I thought it was like his trachea. I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> oh, maybe it is. Maybe his trachea is so swollen that it needs like an extra like bit of space there. Like, <laughs> well, it's it's like it's diagrams. He's like, "This is what my trachea looks like, human." <laughs> Go ahead, try and stab it. <laughs> yeah, it's like what? Like, like Lexi actually, hilariously enough, actually brought this up while we were watching the episode. Also, she's like, "Why is his trachea painted on his?" 
armor. It got me thinking, like, does it turn red when he's, like, if he has, like, a sore throat? You need some, you need some NyQuil, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Typhonis has a sore throat. You can tell by my armor. Oh, <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, do New uh, Sapiens we... get sick? It doesn't seem like they get sick in any of the same ways we do. Yeah, I mean, there's the, you know, we'll get to the the horrible mutagenic, like, debilitating disease or whatever, terminal disease, but... Cancer. Sorry, that's what it it is. It's cancer for New York City. I'm sorry. (laughs) Way grimmer. Yeah. Um, But yeah, otherwise, like, they don't get colds or, like ebola right i don't know <laughs> yeah that's i mean we never we never see one of them like sneeze right or anything but again, like that do we but... ever see anyone sneeze yeah probably probably we're gonna have to go through and watch Maybe. the whole show again just to make sure yeah I, I i bet i bet at some point like someone gets a cold or something like that which again the dangers of the dangers of enclosed space travel like one flu wipes out an entire capital ship or something right <laughs> space covid uh, <laughs> we're all still taking vaccines like, yeah right. hundreds of years <laughs> like time to get my covid shot for the month oh, God. my mo- my monthly pfizer booster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got to uh, deal with the triple gamma delta variant oh my god <laughs> anyway <laughs> So yeah, was so so he spring the Typhonus springs this you know quote unquote trap and uh, start the Neo Sapiens start blasting the the pirates start blasting Alec and JT kind of like duck away to get on to get onto uh, the ship that brought them so they could find their E frames but they're not there. Um, I, I like uh, Jubail's motivations are all over the place. It, like. After after Simbaka is like kill him, he 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 saves Simbaka's life during this ambush by jumping in the way of a of a shot, and uh, the other th- the other thing that happens is Simbaka finds this like piece of rebar sticking out of the ground, as, as one has and, on a spaceship. Yeah, and makes makes your classic rebar club out of it. And uh, takes out a Neo Sapien with that. That was a good move, but like, still, like, why is this piece? Why is this piece of rebar just sticking out of the ground here? Um, is that when? I, that's just that. Sorry, is that when Jubail tries to convince Simbaka, like, oh, we should, you know, basically we should flee to fight another day, kind of thing? And Simbaka's like, no, like, I'm not running away from a fight in my own house. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's exactly what that happens. <laughs> it's like I'll fight with my bare hands. All this piece of rebar. So well, that's that goes back to that what it was like the second or third episode. Simbaka, we fight to the death. Also, Simbaka, maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> In the span of like thirty seconds, yeah. <laughs> the man's nothing not if decisively indecisive. Yeah, <laughs> but he has a coat of honor. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good enough. Which I think is like, I mean, I think you can kind of impart some of that to Jubail also. I kind of, mm-hmm. I kind of get a feeling that Jubail, more than anything, wants to be Simbaka, not in the sense that he wants to be leader of the clans, but that he wants to, he wants to live up to Simbaka's 
sort of uh, image. You know, he wants to be yeah. like that kind of a person. Because like, yeah, he challenges Simbaka, but that's like within the boundaries of like pirate culture, and like that's an expected thing. And so like, and he probably expected to die than having lost to Marsh. Like the fact that he didn't die is immaterial to the fact that that's just normally how these things go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, but you know, he lost his challenge. So now his job is to, you know, like kind of be Simbaka's like, you know, dutiful second in command and all the rest of it. And like still follow that kind of code and everything and protect his leader. Yeah. You know? It, and like, you know, the other thing about Jubail is he's clearly very capable. Like people, people obviously look up to and respect him. Uh, he he's he's the commander of a large ship, the one that the one that originally brought uh, JT and Alec to Tethys. And what we see later in this episode, he's a really really good pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Like if anyone like it seems like in this structure power structure and culture if anyone would take Simbaka's place it would be Juvale of course yeah yeah uh after after all the pirates in the shuttle bay except Jubail and Barca it seems like they're all killed or at least I, knocked down yeah it's not really clear uh <laughs> But af- after all of them are taken out, Simbaka is taken prisoner. Uh, Bar- Barca convinces uh, the Neo Sapiens leave with Simbaka, and then other pirates come in, and Barca convinces them all, including Jubail, to- that they should give up the Exotroopers and trade them for Simbaka and Peace of the Neo Sapiens. And the-, the conversation where that happens is really weird, where, like, um, they Jubail like someone brings up the idea of rescuing Sabaka and Jubail's like what is one man's life even Sabaka and then Barka puts forth this plan he's like yeah okay we could do that uh again this the 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 motivations and writing for Jubail is is really really seems not that great to me yeah for some reason yeah he's just all over the place like like one minute he's saving him the next minute he's like no fuck him let's go you know attack the well, I mean, sapiens and to hell with his life or whatever yeah like Kayvon just said if Sabaka is nothing if not decisively indecisive so maybe he's <laughs> imitating that as well <laughs> right <laughs> um the, and uh, during all of this uh Barca is held up by a neo sapien in an e-frame who's about to kill him because he's like we don't need any more prisoners sucker and uh typhonus says no don't kill him let him deliver the message to the rest of the pirates did does typhonus know who barca is because i don't think he does i don't know i I don't know because it's because barca is in conversation with which one of them is he in conversation with phaeton yeah. Yeah. So I mean, maybe Phaeton's like let Typhonus know he's got like a, a guy on the inside and told him who it is potentially because it does seem like he's like no, don't kill this one. This is the guy that you know this is our guy or something. But maybe he was just like oh yeah no take a message for me. You know yeah. it's the old like kill everybody but one person and then leave that one person to tell everyone else what you did kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh. It. It. it, it, it like. To me, it seems like Barca just got incredibly lucky uh, to not die right there. Yeah. Cause, yeah, I 
it, it, it it's about a 50 50 shot but i'm still leaning towards to typhonis doesn't actually know who he is yeah um jubail also survived and is the one that barca has to convince but he, he manages to do that pretty easily yeah um uh we, we cut we cut black. We cut back to Io uh, for a brief scene of Admiral Winfield kind of taking like a log or a journal or something, or maybe he's just talking to himself um, about how Algernon is working to fix the Graf Shield. They're completely trapped by the Neo Sapien blockade, and the only like good thing about all of this is Napier seems to be doing a good job while this is all happening. At organizing and getting the resistance forces to accept him as the leader yeah um and is that colleen o'reilly working on the graph shield with yes. maggie and algernon i thought it was it, the very distinctive hairstyle even yeah though she's wearing a welding mask yeah because i think i mean she's got the same like body type i can't remember exactly what colleen wears but like the hair is the most distinctive thing about her and i was like oh yeah there's colleen that's really cool like because i also really like her as a character so kind of stood out yeah. to me we, we haven't really seen her except as a background character yet she's right. one of the featured characters in the opening credits but we haven't had a chance to meet her for the most part no. um which is she's she's a good character i like her when she starts to become prominent um barca back at the pirates uh barca and the rest of the group are trying to find the exotroopers who have escaped into their base to try to find their e-frames and they find this room jt and alec find this room with their e-frames that have been completely disassembled and they're just like well i guess we got to put them back together and they start putting them back together and uh the young pirate from before who i think at this point we know his name is hollis through the show hmm. finds them and with other, with two other pirates they have a fight uh alec gives a classic haya karate chop <laughs> and um uh, uh, someone someone throws a wrench, which is incredibly effective. I think it might be JT or Alec. Yeah, he, he picks it up out of the like jumble of like e uh, frame parts, and like as Hollis is like reacting to what happened with uh, Alex Haya, like JT just like whips it at him and knocks the gun out of his hand. That's right. Oh, yeah? He hits him on the well, wrist or something. Had... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, what if I had a wrench? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but for real though. I mean, I wouldn't want to get hit with a wrench being thrown at me either uh, it's it's not quite as effective as when that neo sapien engineer threw a wrench that looked like it weighed as much as like my torso uh, but... which it probably did it was probably made of like mercury or something yeah but, but it's still it's it's effective at disarming someone i also love the the pirate with the purple turban yes like, absolutely he's got it he, he's got it going on um, especially because like... Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say he look. He reminds me of something from like an old Flash Gordon or like, you know what I mean, like an old <laughs> comic book, like really old fucking action sci-fi movies. I don't right. know. He he definitely should have been like a strong arm minion for Ming the Merciless or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Like, or like a guy uh, on the cover of like an old adventure, like trashy adventure novel from like the 50s and 60s, you know, like oh, Sir man. Baron Connington's it, Adventures in the South Pacific or something. Yes. And he'd be he'd, he'd be wielding he'd be wielding like a comically overly curved like Falchion <laughs> scimitar yes. with shirtless like sweating and like 
uh, his lover is like on on his leg, like holding on to it, like oh no. <laughs> He's got like, some <laughs> kind of Frank Frazetta, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like the thing I kind of love the most about this guy too is he looks like it's just for fashion, like. If the pirates really are space hipsters, this guy's like one of the king hipsters amongst them because he's like he's just like got the the just the look so well like Williamsburg like I'm turban man yeah like well, oh, he's probably I'm got a pirate turban like, he he runs the pirate fashion blog next to with his <laughs> with his with his partner uh skull skull forehead tattoo man and uh, they actually make a very good living off of being social media influencers on Tethys and. Uh, and for the rest of the pirate clan. Oh yeah, man! Yeah. It's a it's a solid Instagram feed. I follow it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I also love his like comically bad fake out. Yes. When <laughs> like he, the gun like he get he's laying down like he's knocked out and he gets the gun and he's like, ha ha! <laughs> and, and he holds the gun there for a solid like three seconds and is immediately defeated. He's like, oh no, my god! It also, it kind of reminded <laughs> me. Because so, he's, like, lying back there, and then you see his hand has to move, like, a significant distance onto the gun. And obviously it's not clear if, like, Alec or JT are actually watching him, but it's, like, from our perspective, you know, as the audience of the fucking show, it's, like, it's like a child who thinks that they're under a blanket and therefore they are invisible to you and you can't see them or something. Like, it's like, no, dude, I can, like, I can see your hand moving. Like, I can see your <laughs> eyes moving. <laughs> know exactly what you're about to do and then he sits up like huzzah like oh i never skipped corday you know um it's like a really good just like sudden sit up yeah i mean he's been practicing for this moment his entire life he's like this is my chance here it is i'm gonna do it all those crunches You, 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 you saying that like hiding underneath the blanket thing reminded me of when i was a kid my brother had a water bed my older brother (laughs) and so if you if you do if you try that trick on a waterbed, you can't see the lump because the water displaces and lets you fly flat. I used to scare the shit out of him all the time <laughs> jumping out from underneath that, his blankets. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. It's like David, David. And then, and then he used to beat me up because he was six years older than me. <laughs> Get out of my waterbed, oh. Dave. Get the fuck out of my room. Oh, the right my of brother the would brother. never swear like that. Oh my! I, I can't. I can't even imagine him swearing like that. <laughs> um, where were we? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so so JT and Alec beat up these pirates, take Hollis as a prisoner, rebuild their E-frames. I'm not sure what happened to the other two pirates. Did they like run away or something? They're deeply uh, unconscious from the serious ass whooping they received. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's I guess that's the only reasonable explanation. Car- the cartoon knockout. Um, I mean, maybe Turban guy's like still waiting for a second opportunity. He's like, I'm gonna fake about this time for real. He's like, I just gotta <laughs> lay real still, and then they just leave. He's like, shit, I missed my. <laughs> I learned my I learned my lesson this time. It'll work. Yeah, yeah. they're gone. Damn it. But it's- I'd also just like to point out, it's like the whole scene, and it, you know, it's not clear like how much time elapses, but this is like everything's moving pretty quickly in this episode. You know, it's like okay, so Bach has been taken, we need to get him back, blah blah blah. But like JT and Alec come in, and like they, when you say the E-frames are disassembled, there's literally just like a bunch of what looks like gray parts on the floor. Like it's all just like one yeah. big homogenous mix of like nuts and bolts, and they're literally just trying to put everything back together with their hands. And you're like, how? How yeah. simple is an E-frame that you could just like put it together like a bunch of building blocks? Like... So, so, so think think about that in the perspective of like 
like if that is genuinely accurate to how either a plug and play e-frame parts are or b how like good alec and jt are at assembling e-frames like you assume that alec and jt are not as good as maggie can can maggie like do that you know like you know like that classic like marine in a movie thing who can assemble their gun in less than six seconds or like blindfolded yeah how how fast do you think maggie weston can put together an e-frame in that situation i'm saying 10 seconds flat i think it's a reasonable assumption yeah (laughs) based based on the standard here that we have for jt and alec as like let's say pretty competent right because that's the thing is like in the scene the E-frames are, like, in totally in pieces. Then they have this little fire tire wrench space turbine guy. And then the next scene is, like, JT carrying Hollis, which is also confusing because his E-frame doesn't seem to have hands. So I don't know what he's carrying him on, but he's just, like, somehow scooped up Hollis, who cannot escape, and they're, like, running down this corridor in their E-frames, right? So I don't know. He's, it's pretty impressive. He's very, he's very uncomfortably squeezing Hollis, like, into his arm and into his e-frame's arm and chassis (laughs) because because otherwise like hollis could just slip out right right i was like how is he holding him (laughs) (laughs) he's like got like praying mantis arms or something (laughs) Uh, the uh uh, j so like like you said jt carries hollis back to the shuttle bay they get on a shuttle JT explains to Hollis the plan, and Hollis is like, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like fun. Let's do that. Uh, and before they take off, Barca comes in and starts and starts uh, trying to, like, with a few other guys, and starts shooting at the ship to try to get it to uh, not take off. But it managed to. It manages this too anyways. And there's a very important little thing that happens in this scene. Where, like, the ship flies away, and it looks like it flies through some kind of force field, mm. which finally answers the question that I had in the in the first season of, like, how do they just have these bay doors open without everyone being sucked out? Yep. Yeah. It, it, must, it must be these little force field things that they have. Yeah. Um, Maybe somebody, somebody either, like, who works on the show had a child who watched the show and then asked that exact question, or, like, someone wrote in, it was like how exactly is this happening in season one? And then they were like, okay, let's, we're going to work in something in season two, but we can just like explain away having these like massive doors yeah. open onto space. Yeah. It's like, there, yeah. there's a force field. Shut the fuck up, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> you goddamn nerds. It's, Stop sending us mail. <laughs> it's goddamn science fiction, you sons of bitches. It, my favorite, I, my, I have two favorite parts from the last Terminator movie that came out. <laughs> one where one where um I think Sarah Connor asks the future lady like what she's doing and she's like fiddling with some console on her arm and she just turns around and she's like future shit. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and the other the other favorite scene is when she finally meets the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator in his new idyllic life in the middle of the woods. <laughs> And he says, my name is Carl. And she just looks at him and she's like, I'm never going to fucking call you Carl. <laughs> uh, he was the, he was hands down the best part of that movie. 
I really liked that movie. Yeah. Like, unironically, Me too. it was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, it, it totally, totally made up for like all of the previous shitty Terminator yeah. movies that happened before it. For hundred yeah. percent. Like, as far as I'm concerned, it's T1, T2, that movie. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's all you fucking need. Like, you you could skip all the rest of it. It was like it was nice to actually enjoy a Terminator filming. It was like, oh, I'm I'm having What's fun. It? This is great. And like, there's like enough like nods and throwbacks, and like having Schwarzenegger show up was perfect. Is like you know this like <laughs> Terminator like homemaker house dad guy like it's just it's like, like the- she not noticed you're 800 pounds. He's like, we don't have that kind of relationship. And besides, I'm very funny. <laughs> <laughs> like hell yes. I don't know Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, I don't. I don't care what else he does. Oh. <laughs> He'll always, always be my man. Oh, bless him! Yeah, he's got to be. Like, I mean, honestly, if there's one actor who I've like religiously watched more of his movies, like, I, there isn't anybody else like it's Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I can't think of anyone either. Bless him. We should. We should get him for the uh, Exo Squad reboot. Hey. <laughs> Admiral <laughs> Winfield. Yes. Oh wow. <laughs> I, I was actually I was actually gonna float to you guys to do like a, another like the, a mini episode like we did for D and D to do a to do a, a a perfect casting for a live action ep- episode. I'm yes. here for it. Let's um, let's do it. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do that here at some point. Um, J uh, J T J T Hollis and Alec. Uh, I'll just refer to them as as the the Exo Trooper group. Uh, approach Typhonus's ship. Hollis is like, I'm going to trade these prisoners for Simbaka. Is that okay, Typhonus? And Typhonus is like, yeah, sure. And when they hang up the phone, Typhonus predictably says to this really goofy like looking dude, pilot dude, he's like, "Is when they land, get the exotroopers and get JT and dispose of the rest. Wait. <laughs> And that and that the the dude he's talking to is like, yeah, let's let's fuck up. Like, yeah, that near sapiens plan, face. Sir. He's got like a big goofy grin, like, well, yeah, I'm gonna dispose of them. <laughs> I love disposing of bodies. <laughs> uh, Grim. And yeah, JT and Alec are ready to go. Uh, there's a little scene where JT like gives a gun to Hollis, and Alec is like, "What the fuck are you doing? He's gonna shoot us!" He's like, "It really? He's come this far?" Like, <laughs> well, and JT's reasoning is like, "Okay, I don't think he actually says in these terms, but he's like, you know, to make this plan work, it's got to look real for like at least the first few seconds when the door opens. Plus, like, if Hollis doesn't have a gun, you know, that's like one less person to help them." actually get some Baka yeah. back so you know it totally yeah. makes sense like JT's reasoning is sound and I don't well, know I mean it's like the rules of animation you can tell by Hollis's face that he's a trustworthy character yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah he's got the right <laughs> skull shape too by the rules of uh you know phrenology um he's got like, a trustworthy <laughs> kind of brow and ridge there uh could you <laughs> could you imagine an old-timey phrenologist finding a neo-sapien skull <laughs> It's just like, it's like, uh, what's the over under over whether he'd be like, this is the perfect human, this is this is the supermensch, <laughs> like. They definitely would. They'd be like, he's they're gigantic and they have huge brains. <laughs> yeah, right? actually, the cranial space is unbelievable. And so, and some of them have armored ridges right down the middle of their forehead for some reason. <laughs> All the better for headbutting or something. Oh yeah, uh, uh, and, and and as the uh 
Kayvon shared a picture before we started recording of Hollis holding holding this gun and firing, and he just has a look of absolute ecstasy on his face. Dude, that is like one of the most enthusiastic yeahs I've ever heard. He just like barges <laughs> off the ship shooting and just like, yeah! <laughs> and, 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 and that's what happens. Like, they don't even maintain the illusion. Like, as soon as those security doors open, they just go in guns blazing. And um, dispose yeah, of the other two. Ape- we'll dispose of you, you bastards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd... The videos, ape- oh, sorry. I just oh, you'd think no. that they would at least like walk. I don't know, like walk up a little bit. But I guess JT and um, Alec are in their e-frames, so you can't really hide that, right? Like, yeah. So, so they gotta got just this... just get in there and kick ass immediately. I feel like the smart thing to do would have been open the doors allow your surveillance system to look in and see them come off the ship and then be like, oh shit, they're in E-frames. Send our E-frames. Not just just standing there waiting for surprise. Because if Typhonus believed that Hollis was not playing a trick on them, there was no reason for them to sit there and just start firing. Right. Right. But this also might go back to something we discussed in the first season um about just like so the the neo sapiens as they are now are intelligent right like they're smart they know how to do things but there's a kind of lack of creative thinking except for apparently marsala who's like the funniest most creative most emotional uh neo sapien who's ever existed but maybe you know again like culturally just typhonus is not anticipating the humans to be smart enough to actually double cross or like is not anticipating that they would actually come up with a plan or something like that so i don't know it it kind of works in the universe of the show yeah because i mean there's an arrogance there right like it's not just like oh they'd never think of them do it's like he's too he's so arrogant i think that he thinks that like oh the pirates are too dumb to come up with a plan like this like only we neo sapiens are that clever and deceptive of of the Neo Sapien generals, the one uh, who I absolutely would believe would make like the quote unquote rational decision, but like not think of any creative way that this could be a trick, right after he pulled off a trap, would be Typhonus. Yeah, because he's always the one who's like, "That's illogical. They would did suicide. Why would they do that?" Yeah, <laughs> and then look, they did it. <laughs> um. Alec, Alec finally does so. So the door opens. Uh, the the three the three humans bust through and start taking out Neo Sapiens. Uh, Alec finally does some computer hacking to find out where Sabaka is and close a bunch of like the hallway doors so like they have a better ingress towards Sabaka and lock out some of the Neo Sapiens. Um, it also looks like Alec is doing his hacking via some kind of welder yeah it's not clear right like it's just he sticks he sticks like a big metal rod into like a big metal plate in the wall and then there's some like orange kind of spark lighting and it just goes like as you pointed out it like makes modem sounds yeah it's like a broken modem (laughs) right it's the the sparks are the ones and zeros leaking into the ether right but there's right. also sorry right before this so as they're like exiting the ship and like coming on to um attack the neo sapiens and they're getting shot at and there's like you know pink lasers flying everywhere or whatever like alec actually ducks inside his suit i don't know if anyone else noticed that like oh no as he's like walking that. in the e-frame like into this you know bay or whatever loading bay like 
as he's getting shot at, he ducks inside his suit, which I also thought was just a really strange but hilarious touch. Um, huh. But yeah, the hacking is great. Like, the beep boop boop really got to me. That was fantastic. I. Uh- I, I like I like when they I think I think it's when they get to Simbaka. Like there's there's two things. Like JT is standing there kind of like a shield with Hollis and like shots are just like pinging off the faceplate of his E-frame and he just doesn't care. Right. Like again de- demonstrating demonstrating when they want to like how powerful E-frames are because sometimes those little hand cannons like JT's little pistol double prong thing can take out a e-frame the size of a building but most of the time they just kind of bounce off harmlessly um jt also literally kicks a neosapien in the ass with his (laughs) e-frame gives him like a proper punt yeah it's like get out of here it's a funny scene though because he like you see like jt's face and then it like the next shot is like you see the legs like the the E-frame legs swinging back and then forward a little bit. And then the next shot is just like the near sapien kind of flying through the air. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I love the way they animated it. Cause it was really simple, but effective. I, I absolutely believe that an E-frame could put forth that kind of force. It's just like the hilarity of thinking of that happening. I, I also want to see someone do like uh, one of, one of my favorite videos about the, like YouTube videos about the MCU is every time Captain America kicks someone in the chest and sends them flying like 20 or 30 feet, that person actually just instantly died. Yeah. Right. They're like internal organs exploded. Right. Yeah. Their, their sternum, their sternum just collapsed in on all of their organs and they immediately bled to death in, internally. Right. It's <laughs> just like liquefied. They're just like a bag of liquid now. Yeah, Ca- Captain America. Oh, just, I'm not killing anyone. Just like Batman. <laughs> right. <laughs> Keep telling yourself that, bud. But yeah. So hang on. So it's right after the scene. They they find some Barker, right? And like, some Barker's really excited to see Hollis run in the room, and he's like, "Oh, I knew you'd come for me," kind of thing. Which is hilarious, knowing you know if he'd known that Jabail was like, "What is some Barker's life?" <laughs> uh, compared to everything else, but. Sabaka's like, oh, like, how many fighters did you bring with you? And, like, Hollis is like, um, just two. And then, like, the two E-frames kind of, like, walking through the door with Alex and JT. I don't know. I love that scene as well. There's, like, so many really great little moments in this episode. And Well, he's really taken aback by it, too. He's like, you brought exotroopers? (laughs) Right? Right. Like, they were the only ones who were going to (laughs) come. And after that, though, like, Alec lets him give like this holographic transmission where he basically shames the pirates into coming to help them. It's like, like you're letting the exotroopers fight your battles for you. What the hell's wrong with you? Are you real pirates? And then Jubail's like, mount up, Rough Riders. Let's do this. <laughs> but I think that's I think that's exactly it, right? Like Jubail's been shamed now. Like he's like, oh shit, yeah, he's right. Like we 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 have to fight our own fights because like in their like kind of pirate code or whatever, it's like the idea of someone fighting for you is anathema. So it's like, oh shit, no, we have to get up there and and do this fight now. Yeah, and, and they they got like they launch like maybe half a dozen to a dozen little pirate fighters, and um, it's obviously they're obviously outmatched because there's this neo sapien fleet is huge but what happened to all the cloaked pirate ships that were just sitting out in orbit 
think you know did they leave time to scramble them i don't know yeah maybe, maybe i, I don't know off. like but uh the 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 fighters do a pretty good job although i think every single one of them except jubail has shot down um That's but they do like. manage to destroy they do manage to destroy uh Typhonus's flagship but and in that process they give uh they that provides the distraction that Simbaka and Hollis need to get back to their ship and escape while JT and Alec cover them the rest of the way they escape as well and JT has like this tense standoff with Typhonus right before the flagship explodes Typhonus gets away JT and Alec get away and the last thing we see is Simbaka back on back at the base with them saying like okay now we are with the exo fleet after all of this like you've proven that you are tough enough for us to team up with and maybe we can beat the neo sapiens and that's uh that's the end of the episode like yeah yeah this is like a really for me okay oh sorry i was gonna say this was a really fun action-packed episode like yeah there's like all these little goofy details that you know we like to point out and make fun of but it, it was really fun to rewatch um just because like so much stuff happens it moves so quickly there's a really nice story arc like really yeah fun yeah. action scenes it's great heck yeah yeah it, it subtly reveals a lot about a lot of characters too yeah like, that's we, true we learn more about like we see typhonus acting independently and we learn like you know more about like how he thinks and stuff like that we get to really know this this young pirate named hollis uh jubail acts like Jubail, <laughs> and uh, we see more of Barca's scheming. Yeah. Um, he is such a and, slimy and fucker, Bar- isn't he, though? Like, Barca. Yeah, he I, is. Like, like, I, I remember I, loathing him as a kid, and now it's like rewatching him. It's just like, oh, he just, like, between his, like, kind of wheedling, weird voice and, like, his just, like, little beady eyes, you just, like, want to hit the guy every time you see him. Just, like, <laughs> you piece of well, shit. Like, like the, the, I, you, always hear, you always hear the idea that a great villain is one who you might, like, not hate but sometimes i just want to hate someone as much as i hate barca right (laughs) absolutely a great villain is also one that you just detest like you just hate seeing him he's a good heel yeah 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 that's a good way of putting it um the end card this time shows uh it goes a little deep dive into nara um and it doesn't like it, it tells it, it tells like how she was really close with her family and that was the most important thing and now how the, her her exo squad is her is her closest family yeah. and it also shows us her unrelenting night terrors. <laughs> <laughs> Poor shame. Poor Nora. Yeah. <sighs> well, and that's I mean again like that's the thing that that sets the show apart too is it's like it's the the trauma of all of this right like the show for like a kids show actually deals with trauma in in interesting ways you know it's not just gi joe where it's like if you actually think about like the extent of the combat that like gi joe people are in like they should all have like massive ptsd like massive traumatic brain injuries like all kinds of problems but they're just like happy go lucky and like this actually like the one of the best things about this show is it actually it's like it puts people in these like horrific situations and then shows them cope struggling to cope with the horrors that they've been through like nara this like very kind of like midwestern farm girl gone to the army who's like deeply you know has this like deep connection to her family like loses them all except for her brother but like well spoiler alert um but like (laughs) you know it's it's 
it's it it's a show like I remember being as a kid. It's like oh yeah, war is like pretty dark. <laughs> like and this yeah. show communicates that nicely. And like as we'll get into, I don't know soon. I guess right. It's like in a coming episodes. Um, JT and like Alice and his guilt. I guess like trauma right around mm-hmm. what happens to Alice. Um, I'm trying to think of other characters. Yeah, without giving away too much, right? There's a lot of stuff that happens in this season, especially that brings up uh, trauma <laughs> and people coping with loss. Yeah, and the only the only other show I could think of that maybe had the same level of reverence or not reverence, um, uh, interest in in talking about and displaying trauma would be the X Men. Yeah, with its with its depictions of like how some of the X-Men dealt with losing Morph in the beginning of the series and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which, Uh, it's, I don't know, I think important to have. Like, it's like, it's if like one of the things that like I think makes this show most powerful is it's like it's it's very clear message that like violence has consequences. Maybe necessary yeah. sometimes. It may be you know there may be good conflicts in some ways, but like violence has consequences. Like it doesn't just like it's not just heroic. Yeah. Even the vi- even the victors come back ruined. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Grim. So yeah, that, that's 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 how this episode ends. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I guess. Uh, do you guys have anything you'd like to plug this week? Any cool things you've you've found or recommend for people? Uh, we're loving the Fear Street movies. We haven't watched the set, the third one, which just dropped Fear on Street. Friday. Yeah, Netflix is doing a Fear Street trilogy of films that are all interrelated and go back in time, like starting in like the '90s, and then there's a '70s one, and then there's one in like the 17th century witch trials times. Um, I've never heard, I've never heard of that. It's, I'll have to look that it's up. on yeah. Netflix. I guess we got the um, the promos because we watch a shitload of horror, but like, yeah, they're they're fantastic. They're really fun. Yeah, really, really fun. Do you remember the Fear Street novels? Like, also, like it's the same era as like Exo Squad. Um, no, I've never heard. of It's it. the same guy that did Goosebumps, R.L. Stein. Uh, oh, you know what? I heard someone talk. Like, I I overheard someone, uh, like while I was waiting to pick up some food the other day, talking about like something about R.L. Stein in his first R-rated movie. Yeah, and I was like, "What is he talking about?" And they left before I could ask. I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, so like, because fierce, so like, Goosebumps was like more targeted at like you know like maybe ages nine to like twelve or so, and Fear Street was for like older adolescents, like into your teenage like high school years. Um, I used to love reading them when I was like in junior in junior high. Like, I love the shit out of those books. They're just like little horror novels, like a little, a little, a little quote unquote harder than Goosebumps. Um, but then, and so I was kind of expecting that as like, you know, a kind of kitschy, like adolescent oriented movies. Now they're like straight up like brutal horror films, but they're really good. Um, and they, they did one a week and the last one just came out. The third one just came out Friday. So highly recommended. Yeah. Yeah. That was already fun. I have nothing else yeah. to pitch. I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah me, no, me either. Yeah. It's a quiet I just, I just like to, I just like to give people recommend the chance to recommend things. Um, the uh, uh, thank, thank you, thank you to uh, to the Reddit group and the Facebook group for for lots of great feedback recently on some of the episodes and things like that. Uh, mostly just people. Most of these people writing in being like, oh, I like the, I like the, uh, I like the things you do with, um, 
with with talking about like the political ramifications and joking about like some of the ways they handle it and everything. We really, I really appreciate that feedback, everyone. Thank you. you know, mostly just mostly just thumbs up and things like that. You know, it gives me gives, it gives me good feelings. Thanks, everyone. Thank yeah. you. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's nice yeah. to know people are actually listening and like care about Exosquad as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so there there is a rumor uh, that that uh, Jeff Seagal one of the one of the original like people who was the driving force behind creating the show is supposedly working on something <gasps> related to exosquad oh boy fingers crossed call me back though when it's steven seagal working on something related to exosquad <laughs> so we can stop <laughs> exactly no actually, so he can yeah. he can play jubail yeah, actually, no. He's definitely he, he's Barca to the max. He's a Barca. All right. Yeah, he'll just sit there and mumble his yeah. way through. Like, Man, we should maybe go out <laughs> and turn over the extra troopers to the uh, Freedom is as free. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> okay. Anyway, on that anyway. note, <laughs> thank you for listening. Oh, God bless you. I, I, yeah. <laughs> The, the, la- the last thing I have to say is I went to a very famous toy store here in Columbus, and they used to have Exosquad stuff, and now they don't. Which one of you people bought all the Exosquad stuff? <laughs> you rancid bastards. <laughs> oh. I, it's the first time I got to go to that toy store in a year, in almost two years, and it, it's all gone now. Damn. Which one of you did it? <laughs> I know it was one of you. Uh, on, on that note, on that note, stay safe, everyone. Have have a good have a good day, and uh, we hope to see you next time. Yeah, thanks for yeah. listening. Bye. Cheers. Bye.